one. Let's, Let's jam. jam. Folks, yeah. welcome to an episode of The Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan. He is Mac. Howdy, y'all. We are reviewing a wonderful anime television series, one of my absolute favorites, released in the late 90s with the uh, director Shinichiro Watanabe and composed by Yoko Kano. And it is a wonderful, beautiful, uh-huh. majestical series by the name of Cowboy Bebop. This wonderful uh-huh. space western that follows this ragtag group of sort of adventurers, but they're uh, bounty hunters. And that's really the crux of it. And they're a motley crew that really shouldn't be in the same space, but they are somehow miraculously. And it breeds a lot of wonderful, you know, small stories in this 26 episode long series. And we're going to be reviewing, you know, other parts that Cowboy Bebop has, you know, led to which is you know the movie that released a few years later and then eventually the netflix live action adaption <laughs> a lot of words a yeah. television series that was released on netflix. No, i, like, I am like I excited for all of those how many times have you had to pitch cowboy bebop because i know this show has been in your life a favorite show De- in your life define for a long time. pitch because I, I was just thinking to myself as you were saying that you have really gotten that shit down. Like that was that was one of the classier intros you've ever done. Yeah, thank God. I mean, this is like okay. Let's listen, folks. Also, for for the viewing audience right now, there may be times during this episode where I'm so exhausted, I'm just going to close my eyes. I'll still be listening, but it requires so much effort to keep mm-hmm. my eyes open that this is going to be a little bit tough for me. So it's going to lead to a very odd viewing experience. But auditorially, hopefully, it'll, auditorially, everything will be, will be the, exactly the way it should. And, and for our audience at home, you know, uh, imagine being so ugly and difficult to look at that your partner has to just close their eyes for certain portions of the episode. That That's how I feel right now. Um, and But needless to say, uh, Cowboy Bebop was a delight. An yes. absolute delight. So thank you on the front yes. end for... Uh, suggesting it. Well, this is a show that's commonly referred to by many throughout the years, right, as one of the best, if not the best, anime television series. Right. Bar none, right? There are, there are a few competitors when it comes to that, um, but this is commonly regarded as one of the greats. Yeah. Um. Now, in regards to the question of how many times did I have to pitch this show, there have been... Too many times in my life where I've attempted to and and begin to show this show to more than one and I think like three different significant others that I've had as well as my former roommate Sam. Wow. Um, and I have I don't think I've ever gotten past the second or third episode. Not because like they're like I don't want to watch anymore, but it's because like. And this is a critique that I have for the show now is that I don't think this series necessarily hooks you in the first few episodes. Sure. Well, you kind of have to trust it and trust that it'll take you somewhere. But in the first, like, two or three episodes, I don't think the hook is necessarily strong, right? Mm-hmm. And, and part of that, too, is where, um, and I actually quite like this, is you don't start out with the entire crew no. Of the show on the no. front end, you get Faye, uh, Faye Valentine in the third episode, but she's really implemented into the fourth, and then you don't get Ed until the ninth or the eighth or the ninth episode in the series, uh-huh. which is pretty far in it, if you it consider really is. it. And it's funny to think that you know the first member who was introduced outside of Spike and Jet were actually Ayn, uh, the dog, the the data dog yeah, right. in in the second episode, um. So that's part of it too, and I think that's a, that's a big factor. Yeah, there's actually a student that I have that uh, recently went through a a, a, a name change, uh, not legal name change, but asked, asked me to start calling them something different, and it was Ian, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, I A N. That's how Ian's spell their name. Yeah, and they spelled it Ein. Ein. Yeah, from that's from great. the show. That's yeah, great. I thought that was really cute. I love that. E, yeah, E I N. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you had more to no, say from I there, really or you had like like another thought to go from there. But just like, let me give you that little tidbit. All right, oh, cool. God. I'm contributing yeah, to this sorry. episode. No, Thank that's you very really, much. that's really so, it. okay. So you thought this was your first experience, yeah. you know, consuming the show, watching yeah. the show. What were your first impressions throughout it? I mean, this is this is our third anime television series, right? Yes. We've watched 
Berserk, uh, the the late '90s uh, anime adaption from the manga, as well as *Kame Ga Kill*, two very different Wildly. television shows uh, compared to this space western. So, yes. so what were your impressions uh, with this show in particular? Mm. So, I uh, I really did enjoy the show a lot. It's one of those shows where if you hadn't recommended it, I definitely would not have started watching it. Like, there's no reason mm-hmm. for me to have encountered it. Yeah, you. you know yeah. what I mean. Um, I probably wouldn't have even watched the uh, live action one. Um, to 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 be honest, didn't you start watching the live action one? I was about to, yeah, and it was purely because you had mentioned Cowboy Bebop, and I really didn't even know the difference. Well, we like, and I also, knew so little about Cowboy Bebop that I thought that was what the actual one was. Oh my god! And then I realized, like, wait, no, 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 this was made very recently. This is shot in four K, and so I, I stopped. <laughs> this is shot in four K. Yeah, it's it's shot with like lens flares in four K, so it feels very Netflixy right now, and it it, it was it, it was annoying. Anyways, we'll, we'll get to. This that at some <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no, it uh, it really was spectacular. And I gotta say, um, probably the most impressive part is that it felt uh, very modern, but mainly, and I don't know if I should say this is a good thing, but to me it was a good thing, very American. It felt yes. very American. Partially in like the influences that it had, but also like in its format and its, its, and its structure. Like, um, like you're talking about that the, it doesn't really have a hook at the beginning because it kind of hooks like a sitcom, to be honest, um, like in an way, American yeah. sitcom in that um, rather than uh, ushering you in and giving you like a full There's first There's no act, exposition. No, it just starts with the concept. Yeah. Like whatever the concept of the show ends up being, that's what they give you in the first episode. And most sitcoms are that way. Like you're, it's just another day in the life of the friends, the gang right. or whatever. You know what I mean? Um which which is really pretty impressive, as well as um, uh, some of the like just the jokes and the references are uh, hilariously American, as well as the genre. I would say, yeah, it doesn't feel like any anime I've ever experienced in my no. life, which is not a lot. This is this is a western. This is a noir mm-hmm. uh, sort of television series, and and sort of like also with the characters themselves, like it's not. Japanese centric, right? It is not East Asian centric, right? Of right. course, there are still going to be the, you know the East Asian influences or or some characters here and there, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems very clear that this was like an American inspired, and when I say American inspired, more so with the media, right? With movies that come right. from America from decades of the past, right? Yeah. And this is irrevocably one of, if not like the coolest show ever like it's so cool yeah like yeah. all of the characters are wicked cool that's true, that's and, true and they're all smoking cigarettes like as if it's not <laughs> unhealthy but they make it look so cool and they're all yeah. carrying around like pistols as right, well right. and these like pretty cool spaceships but it's it's this sort of punk inspired as well as this interesting blend of like retro futurism that's not too like retro you know, futurism. That is not too chromey, yeah. you know. But it has that rugged, dirty, yeah. uh, rustic. And sort it's of weird. They they do this awesome thing where, kind of similar to a lot of Star Wars movies, um, they have they paint a picture of the future that is somehow nostalgic. Yes, isn't that funny? That is a perfect way to describe it. Yes. But that's that's exactly what what they do, and and it is super yeah, impressive. Where that, like a lot of influences come from the seventies and the eighties, right? Yeah. Right, and now, like with character designs too. Yeah, you know, yeah. like like nobody's hairstyles or anything like that is like iconic for the time of like the late nineties. Right. It's it's all much much older than right, that. Right, and it, and it feels that way too. Like the way that the just the texture of each frame is. Um, is is uh, specifically grainy and uh, like brush strokey, um, yes. and and it's it's nice in that way because yeah. it makes you feel a little more classic, you know. Yeah, and so like even though um, it's the it, the sort of version that we saw, it's available on Netflix currently. Yeah. It's not like upscaled right for a sixteen by nine no, format. No. It's still in the four by three, I believe, is is the dimensions of it, and it's like it's in HD now, right? But it's like nothing is certain is like upresed in any sort of way. And so what really helps this show survive in more ways than one is the really strong art design. Oh yeah. That comes from all of that retrofuturism and then also how that is blended with the music, which 
I was about to say, whenever you brought this show in at the top and you talked about, all right, Cowboy Bebop directed by, and then you said composed by, I don't think we've ever reviewed something, and I can't think of many things other than musicals that would have an intro like directed by and composed by. Yeah. But this is one of those few and rare examples where it's safe to say that the music actually is that influential for this story. Sizzle serve that this is the best sort of music example that we have seen in a film or like TV matter, aka not an album, right? This yeah. is this is the best music that we have consumed from something that is not an album, right? I think Yoko Kano brings it together with her band, um, um, the seatbelts and a bunch of wonderful compositions as well as one of, if not the best intro to a TV show of all time. Bar none, not even close. I legitimately sat my entire family down just to watch the intro. I was like, you don't even need to watch the show, but then they watched the intro and they were like, Okay, let's keep watching. It's um, not often where a mu- the music is a character. Uh-huh. Now, you said that was your sizzle serve. I have a little bit of a qualm with that because sizzle serve implies that that's a hot take. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, it- I understand. I understand. <laughs> now, I got to say, Danny, this also a first for our show because for the very first time in this show's history, we have the same sizzle serve. That was mine too. My exact same sizzle serve was bang, this bang. is the best music we've ever heard. Yeah, uh, for the show specifically in terms of like for film or TV or something like yeah. that. Now, there's other really good music that we've listened to. Oh, absolutely. This is not meant to be a disparagement on no. other things that we've no. seen. But this is easily one of the only things that we've seen where even though the music is not the story, I still am going to save all the music and listen to it forever yes. and ever. Oh, yes, I still do. I still do. The yeah. first time I watched this show, I think it was my sophomore year in high school. So that I think was around eight years ago or something, which is wild to me to think about now. Yeah. But I have been listening to that music since then. Now, that's actually a good segue because, Danny, how not, not how long, but how many times have you seen this show? That's the funniest part. This is my second time. Get the fuck out. Really? And it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. You watched the first time and were so confident in it. Yes. That you were just like, this is it. I know it's good. Occasionally, like, I'll watch a clip or two on YouTube. Yeah. You know, but but I, yeah, I just, I haven't rewatched it because, I don't know, it, it, it encapsulated such a time and such a such a emotional moment for me that, that I, I wasn't sure. Sh- I never felt the need to go back and like uh-huh. relive that experience. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I knew the experience was good by itself. I had no reason to relive it. Okay, know? sure. So, okay, then this is a this is an. I mean, except launch. for the times that I've tried to show it to multiple people and have failed. <laughs> so you've for seen whatever the first reason. couple episodes a million times. Yes. Um, no, I've seen the first two episodes multiple times. I mean, they're great episodes. So I mean, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. A <laughs> um, uh, small plug, by the way, just saying we Smug. also have a little. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I okay. Hold on, hold on. I did not have the window, and I still forced myself in you with combining two words. Smug, smug. Um, small plug. Yeah, little uh, small little plug, little plug, lug. Um, that uh, we are also going to be doing a tier list. Um, yes. for this episode, we have so we have our regular episode that we're doing right now, obviously. Um, but we're also going to have a second part to this. Uh, to this episode experience. it's gonna be a made for youtube yeah. sort of content right yeah. where uh it, to be determined whether or not it'll be released on uh audio mediums uh-huh. but we'll see how it goes it, well <laughs> that's a, that is an excellent <laughs> yeah. point yeah um, well, but that that's a really good segue uh-huh. i think oh this is a good segue to what was your experience this time oh because you talked a little bit about how this was uh different for you than than last time but i'm, I'm curious how was it different for you, uh, you being in a different place than you were then, how does that affect your experience? This is always the joy of seeing something a second time and primarily a second time for this show. And sometimes things are better, sometimes things are worse. And in in the case of Cowboy Bebop, sometimes things are, are just different. You know, this show oh. was still great. I still had yeah. a fun time watching the show. I remembered the so so uh, somewhat overarching narrative to be hooked into me more. Um, I remember that being the case. It didn't so much this time. Yeah. But what actually hooked me a lot more this time was the relationships between the characters, between oh. Spike, between Jet, 
between Faye, between Ed, and also kind of between Ayn as really? well. And the blend of that crew together on their adventures was something that was so much more of a treat to watch in this time. Yeah. As well as, even though the overall narrative I didn't really care for, and like Spike's backstory, I was like, ah, it's not as cool this time because I'm not really that edgy this time. Um, What was also really interesting to me was that structurally, a lot, most of the episodes sort of have... They have their own plots, and they sort of stand on their own, and they're not really referenced back to too often. Maybe right. occasionally an right. offhand comment comment here and there, but what's really nice is that at the same time, the character relationships and progression with each other within you know the narrative within each other yep. really tracks. And so yeah. the best, I mean, the best example is Faye Valentine, right? Yeah. Who I think is a just a wonderful, wonderful character portrayed by Wendy Lee uh, in the dub, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, also, really fast, I got to say, like, the dubbing for the show, fantastic. One of the best dubs, I'm sure. Yes, I need the- to I need to find the, uh, the dubbing director because oh, yeah, the vocal direction for the English dub of the show yeah. is is one of the best. Yeah, right. There, there are a lot of animes that you can, and in a lot of stuff that comes from out of Japan or any other foreign country, um, that the vocal direction is hit or miss here or there. But for the most part, I would say ninety five percent of it really hits, mm-hmm. really hits, especially with the main cast. I was curious about that. I was, uh, I saw an article that was talking about, um, from a a uh multilingual perspective if you know both japanese and english how how do dubs translate and how uh how decent are dubs and um uh one person that is able to speak both japanese and english said that this is maybe the only case of uh that they've ever seen of an english dub being comparable or even slightly better than the original japanese cast that's impressive. Yeah, I, I was very That's shocked to really see that, impressive. but that was really interesting to me. I mean, I've, I can't, I, I can't attest to that, and I have yes. no idea. But that was interesting for me. And that, uh, that credit goes to, and hopefully, I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, uh, uh-huh. who was the vocal director uh, for this show. And fun fact, I had, I had to check up on this just in case because I didn't want to get fined for this. Uh, but Steve Bloom, who plays Spike Spiegel in the yes. show, uh, they are married. Since 2017. Get out. Isn't that adorable? 2017? Yeah, fairly recently. Like 20, after the, 20 years after the fact? Yes, 19. but I mean, but they've been working together consistently, and That's you know, crazy. they had a uh, budding relationship that uh, grew from there. It's wow. gosh dang cutest thing in the world. That is so cute. Wow. But back to my original point about Faye Valentine yes, and yes, Wendy yes, 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 Lee's yes. portrayal is that she is very aloof in a sort of way emotionally when she is first introduced in the third and implemented really in the fourth episode, right? And then you see how there's this, like, unspoken love. And this goes for the rest of the crew, too, right? This unspoken love that the crew has for one another as the show goes on, right? Where if you, in a hypothetical scenario, if you go up to one of the characters and say, Jet, how much do you care about Spike? He would say, I don't give a shit about Spike. Yeah. But you know, deep down, he deep would die down. for that man. That's true. He would he would jump on a grenade for That's him. That's the truth. That's the truth. Exactly. So, and, and it really, really tracks. And when you get to the end of the series, where Spike is essentially going to his death, and Faye is like... At yeah. ends with starts him. Starts firing about, the gun. Starts firing a gun yeah. at the ceiling just out of frustration. like and, and putting Spike at gunpoint. Obviously not going to shoot him. But no. there's such a like a massive amount of anger. Because right. all of that anger is coming from a place of love that grows slowly. And so unspoken but and also- Jacobian in a way throughout the series. And mm-hmm. it's so well done. And like Jet's sort of like fatherly approach to Ed for example, right. and everybody's tolerance with Ed, right. the, the wacky hacker child. It's it's a wonderful thing that happens where the show never really shoves it in your face. Yeah. It's a casual thing that sort of goes on as these characters get used to each other and are around each other and grow to care about and love each other. Well, that, that also um, was a beautiful moment that you were talking about with Faye 
um, as she uh, fires the gun after um, Spike is about to leave for Vicious, um, that there is uh, something beautiful about the fact that Faye can't really express um, or can't really say in words... I need you here right now. I mean, that's every character, right? Right, right. But, and but the so, fact and that... so when a character does say that uh-huh. or in some capacity says something right. like that, it's like that feels so out of character. Like, yeah, yeah. Not out of character in terms of the script, but out of character for who but they are. It's impressive that they were able to write it and direct it in such a way. Oh, my God. And Mac, the battery. Battery, Mac. Uh... What happened, Mac? What do we do, Mac? Where do we go from here? Oh, I don't know. I just need to throw those away. Let's do it. Was that the Amazon battery? Yeah. What? I told you I switched out the Amazon battery because the cannon because the cannon battery was uh was all of a sudden at half of five minutes. Ah. Uh. Yeah, but you never do the Amazon battery. I thought we knew this. I I'm just gonna have to throw them out at this point. It's it's just so unreliable. All right. So regardless, let's take a quick pause. Yeah. Let's, let's do take it. let's let's regroup mentally. Uh, let's see if we do, uh, well, let's see, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> We're rolling. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, okay folks, yeah, look. all blasting off all cylinders. Um, so, out of nowhere, it, it truly is a tragedy, an absolute American tragedy. For you, while recording our 58th episode, Mac, uh, you just got two more points because the camera died. So, so where are we at, Mac? You're helping the visual audience, but you're not helping the uh, the audio medium. Well, uh, let me help the audio medium out by saying that uh, I am at 11 points and Danny is at 7. I'm at 7 points. Mac is at 11. And at the end of the 59th episode, this will determine uh, whoever has more points has to dress up in a costume and of some capacity. Look, do you know what mine is going to be yet? Your costume? Yeah. No, I figured we would go to Party City together like a little like a, oh, like, a, like a field trip. What a what a demoralizing way to do it. I what? I think that'd be fun. I mean, it it would be fun, but it's more like I just have to look at my doom, you know? Yeah. Uh, dude, would you like to dress as Doctor Doom? Would that help? Fuck yeah, you can MF Doom. They won't have that at party scene. Yeah, but think. like MF Doom has like Doctor Doom's Doom mask. Stuff. Right, 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 right. But I'm going to like bring a mic. <laughs> we already Christ. <laughs> I mean, useless, <laughs> useless, <laughs> useless. Okay. Okay. okay, we were talking about yeah. Faye Valentine. We were talking Valentine. about Faye Valentine, absolutely, and, and, and what a absolute dynamic character that is. As well as, uh, I'm just so damn impressed that they are able to have um, such uh, deep backstories for all these characters. And explored, too. Yeah. Yeah. Explored in a in a sufficient enough capacity where I'm like, cool, I feel satisfied. Right? Yeah. This is not an <laughs> this is not an Akami Got Kill situation either, mm-hmm. where on the introduction or immediate implementation implementation of a character, we are shoved with a backstory right. that they are narrating. That is that That's is, about to say. Which is the like the laziest thing where we have actually in most of these episodes where instead of like a character telling us the backstory, that may be the sort of framing, right? We'll either see the backstory or we will have the character sort of experience the baggage from previous events now. Like some of the best examples are like the episodes with Jet, uh, for yeah. example, when we experience, you know, some of his baggage, right? Where uh, I think the one is called Ganymede Elegy where uh he goes back to his sort of like hometown and his and his lover uh from years past and he sees her again and like has to like confront with the reality and like dealing with the past which is a huge theme right. that this show visits a lot is sort of like confronting the past and how do we live with the past lives that we have and so but the narrative oh. approach to these backstories and to these uh sort of you know lives that these characters have lived is a refreshing one. It's a refreshing one that I f- like. This should be the standard for how stories should approach and negotiate um, lives from characters' past. That's uh, a very eloquent way of saying that. But I agree, absolutely. <laughs> that, that was just yeah. I, I was kind of blown blown away. Um, uh, yeah, no. This is uh, an absolute masterclass in uh, sh- show. Don't tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That 
I don't have to get this backstory shoved down my throat like in the instance yeah. of a coming out kill like we were talking about. Yeah. But um, that it just sort of uh, appears there. Um, yeah. And also what I'm so impressed by is that rather than just like having these intense and long-winded flashbacks, right. they do a really, really good job of showing – yeah, going back going and back forth. Going back and forth. Back and forth. But also showing you as you're getting information on the past – what that means in in real time, right? You know what I mean. I think that that's the main part. Is that it's it's not like oh you need to know a little bit about um uh, Jet in this way before we get to this before we get to um uh, Ganymede Elegy. Um, <laughs> hey Spike, let me tell you about this one time. I exactly exactly. But the fact that we see Jet like make eye contact <laughs> with a person, and then I'm so sorry. It's just like every episode of a comic. Uh, every one of them. Every one of them was every... just like. <laughs> I need to tell you something. <laughs> and you're like, fuck this again. It's the truth, though. It's almost every episode. It's literally every episode. But anyway, the same length as Cowboy Bebop, which is You're funny. lying. I mean, it's 24, 26 episodes, something like that. Oh, and I same know. length, too, huh? Yeah. Those were some lengthy episodes. Crazy, yeah. This is, this is a very good show in terms of length as well. Yeah. Now, okay. I, I would like to get your take on this because this is something that I uh, definitely experienced. Was it at all frustrating to you the way the last episode ended? Not necessarily because like, obviously in terms of story, it was fucking gorgeous. But does it feel it? Because it felt like it was setting itself up for a much longer running show than one season. I, I do think the show is like actually too short. Yeah. You know, like even though the character progression tracks, which is really, really good, yeah. I wish I had more time with the characters. Yeah. And they always say, like, you know, leave your audience wanting more. But in this case, I I don't think it's a good thing. Like I, yeah, I actually I legitimately really... wanted more. Yeah. Which is which is a testament also to the quality of what we were given right. you know, for this series, right? This is also exacerbated by the fact that I actually think Spike's backstory is not very interesting oh. or captivating uh-huh. in in uh, minus Julia, right? So Julia is Spike's old lover from years past. Right. I don't know why I'm always saying it like that. Old lover from years past. Like I make it sound so forlorn, I mean, you it's know. <laughs> old fling. One of those. There it is, the old flame yeah. that you know. Oh, the old flame. Yeah, it's yes. embers, and <laughs> the old flame is a very different kind of kind of individual. Very, yeah, different um, kind of good. Yeah, where like I think his relationship with Julia and how how that is teased throughout the series is pretty good, but uh, Vicious is not an interesting character. His name's literally Vicious. Like, can we stop with like Edge Lords, right, please? Right. Can we stop? Can we start? Lords. Can we oh. start a campaign that like if your Edge Lord is not cool enough or if your edgelord is not interesting enough then don't have an edgelord i'm tired of your edgelords right now mind you i'm not in high school or middle school anymore i'd be like yeah vicious he's kind of cool but now i'm like vicious boring as all hell why is he doing anything that he's doing right what the hell are his motivations i I will say that in the last episode very last episode but to answer your question yeah it did feel like something bigger was going to happen at one point yeah no i I agree and and that was probably and well this is the thing the show up until the last two episodes was because it was two porter was telling you that it was going to be a long running show, and then out of nowhere, it's just like Spike has to go prove himself, and you're but, like, what but, the but, fuck? The long running show in in what sense? In in that I felt like it was setting itself up for, um, I mean, like uh, like any other sitcom or any other uh anime you know that 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 lasts for a million seasons or whatever or or um, in or in the sense of like these characters are experiencing something right now that like really have consequences this is going to be a shift in the storytelling right right. um another way of of putting it is that uh i feel like this and avatar the last airbender are very unique in that they are both shows that do such a good job of setting up the world and the universe, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And it's just weird that they don't capitalize more on it. You know what I mean? Like, I know so many people that are obsessed with this Cowboy Bebop universe that they build, but it's difficult to be obsessed with something that it only gives you so much information. You know what I mean? That's true. That's but that true. kind of bothers them. Because and, and information that is, like, spread out that you really have to – listen to it and like pick up on it right right like it's so easy to miss that right 50 years ago from the events of the show there was a giant accident uh with a hyperspace gate that exploded the moon that now a bunch of I, 
Yeah, exactly, right? But it's like mentioned multiple times, but super duper in passing because in the context of the characters, like it kind of makes sense. But it's super duper in passing for them that, you know, for some side characters, super important, like in Sympathy for the Devil, the kid who doesn't age um, Uh because of that accident. Oh, right. You see, the reason why the Earth is always having meteor showers is because of that accident. Okay, okay. It's so, like, things that influence the world, but they don't, like, shove it down your throat of, like, these are the things that are happening. I just remember there was an accident. I didn't even piece it together that, like, they were talking about the same accident so many times. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Which which is a catalyst for a lot of events in the show. But this also so interesting that they go to so many different places and so many people the people are humanoid. You know what I mean? Oh, you you thought there would be more aliens? I guess a little but bit. But we're still in the solar system. We're in still right. in the same solar system. Right, right, but still, still. The 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 other thing is like you go to a new place of some sort in nearly every episode. Um in, in the same way that like Star Trek would, you know, like that almost almost every episode you're, yeah. you're finding out so you're finding out something absolutely new and you have to adjust yourself to this new setting or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's frustrating because I figured that it would be a Star Trek type thing where I would get this for a, a super long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it didn't even feel like, oh, there's this really because, you know, like with something like Avatar Lester or like Ted Lasso, for instance. They know exactly where the end is, so they don't want to make it any longer than it has to be. But it's frustrating in this instance because it felt like it was more of an attention span thing than anything. That the person who wrote this originally or, or storyboarded this was just like, yeah, I think uh, I I kind of just want to end it here because I'm not sure how much more I, I want to say. Maybe. And maybe they only had 26 episodes to work with. Oh, Maybe that sure. was just the structure they that they had to abide to. I don't know the backstory in regards to that, but we all we have are these twenty six episodes to judge this show on, Beautiful and episodes. we wish we had more because it's fun, and we wish we could see these characters stretch their legs, uh, in these environments. Let's go to break. Welcome back. Welcome I know usually back. I don't lead the charge, but uh, I am leading the charge, and I'm going to put this on the front end that hopefully I don't put my foot in my freaking mouth. So let's see how I do because uh, I am I am treading water for myself that I can easily put my foot in my mouth. I mean, hey, you prefaced, and, and I'll be here to just go like this if need be. Thanks. Uh, we're going to talk about Mushroom Samba for a little bit. Um and because Mushroom Samba has a few really, uh, let's just say, problematic elements. Um, th- you know, if we're looking at this episode in a vacuum, and as you should in most cases when it comes to art, I think, um, I was going to say this bit at the end, but I guess now I'm just saying it at the beginning, that I think you should look at art, both capacities of looking at it in a vacuum and looking at it with context of, you know, context, uh, intent, baggage from whoever is you know stirring the pot that makes the art right i think it's important to acknowledge both factors in regards to mushroom samba which is uh kind of one of my favorite episodes now after re-watching it and kind of for a big reason is because this episode is an ed plus ein adventure yeah they're doing their own thing and they're on earth i believe uh and Everybody in the crew is kind of knocked out, and they're also high as hell off of these uh, mushrooms, right? Now, the thing is, is that the side characters in this episode are black. Super dope. Awesome. That is incredible. The issue is that one of the characters, right, and and a couple of these characters are uh, homages to uh, a couple of blaxploitation films from the 1970s, yeah. primarily Coffee and Shaft, and they're literally named, respectively, Coffee and Shaft, yeah, right, right. Um, where the character of Coffee, who is this elegant, awesome, badass black woman, buys a watermelon. And so I saw that, and I was like, oh, 
Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. That's really, really bad. And no matter what context or intent or baggage you put into it, doesn't matter. That shit's bad. That's yeah. really bad and and um is with the racial stereotype of black people love watermelons, right. which is shitty. Um and it's kind of like also there's also the drug dealer in that episode who was black and has this Rastafarian influence in the character design which goes with the stereotype again yeah um and at the end of the episode they have this uh the cop at the end who is also black and it feels kind of like the episode is trying to wipe its hands clean on sort of any sort of racial stereotypes that it has and it doesn't blood on hands is still blood on hands lady mcbee said it best right and luckily, too, that at the very least, this is not the only implementation of black characters in this show. I think the show probably could have used some more, right? Uh-huh. But there, there is an eclectic amount of characters who do not have white skin in this show and also outside of this episode, right? Yeah. But I think it's really an issue when even though you are expressing diversity right and which is great it's it it is an issue when you're going with these racial stereotypes and a tiny not a tiny but but it is also an issue where like even though you're hearkening back to quote unquote better times or like something that you know you are fa- fond of like black exploitation films also you know purport this stereotype about black people who still today are trying to go against some of those stereotypes. And so even though this episode is super fun, super bombastic, has one of my favorite action sequences, has one of my favorite songs in it, it it is a great episode through and through. It is stained remarkably by that. And so the thing to look at is that when you think about it too, it's hard for me to think about any other anime that has the amount of black characters as Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop doesn't even have that many. Yeah. And so that that is an sort of sort of an issue, right? Um I mean this is we're talking about art that comes from Japan. Um they probably have I mean they and when I say probably, I mean I think they do with some cultural stuff that they had they've had decades past in terms of uh clothing and makeup but uh in regards to some of their opinions when it comes to black culture right yeah. and black individuals um that is an issue uh it's hard to, regardless it's hard to think of other animes that have black characters yeah absolutely. right uh and Shinichiro Watanabe said in uh is quoted in saying uh, as part of the Cowboy Bebop art book, and I'm trying to pull up the quote currently as we speak, and the art book is titled uh, Cowboy Bebop, The Jazz Messengers. He's quoted by saying, I paid a lot of attention to skin color, also to using multiple languages. Lots of times when you watch anime, the characters all have white skin. All the characters and fantasy stories all have white skin, which I never liked. I wanted to have lots of characters in Bebop without white skin. And if people weren't used to that, well, maybe it would make them think a little bit more about it. National borders have always been arbitrarily drawn by people, and in ancient times there was a lot of exchange of people and culture with the continent. And I think that rings really, really true in the world of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. It doesn't help when you are perpetuating some of these stereotypes. So what it is is that I think where I would like to believe as artists that we acknowledge this gray area where we can where we can both praise and condemn the show condemn the show for perpetuating some of these racial stereotypes right praise the show for actually implementing and it's not just black individuals um like i there are a few south asian characters that like pop into mind as well and and a couple of hispanic ones too that we should praise the show also for actually expressing this sort of diversity in a wide, expansive world that other animes have the opportunity to do so, and they don't express that same interest in doing so. And so what it is is I think 
we should acknowledge that gray area where it's not this or that it's a little bit of both so that we can move towards the direction of expressing more di diversity with less stereotypes perpetuating it i realized that took me a very long no, time to, ex no, that to was, express that thought that but it also it, i'm also a little bit heartbroken too because i was like god damn it mushroom samba is such a great episode and it's perpetuating something awful. So. Yeah, I, 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 I wish. Yeah, yeah. The, the the way that you talked about it being stained, I think is is a really excellent way of saying that. Yeah. That it it's um that just because it is such a good shirt doesn't mean there's a not a gigantic stain across the front of it. Right. You know what I mean? Um. Uh. I, I know you meant that in more of a symbolic way, but I I'm I'm yeah. pulling in into the metaphor. Um, Which I mean, like it took me a while to just get to the the big bo the big point, big point, big big point of like the consumption of art and how we treat art and how uh -huh. we allow ourselves to to view pieces of art that may be stained by whatever is in it or whatever is done by an outside force. Like, how do we acknowledge all of these things together? Right, it's a, it's a step by step process, so that in the future, right, we can make something that's better than what was given to us. Right, and the uh, um, just like you said, being able to condemn and celebrate simultaneously, um, yes. the, because I I I do completely agree with uh, agree. Fuck me, agree with that <laughs> condemnation. Uh, uh, at the same time, there. There were a couple times where I was shocked that um, I was seeing something that was made in 1998 yeah. um, and uh, something that was as uh, progressive as it was in specific ways. Mm -hmm. um, l l like you said, like it was huge for diversity at the same time, a, a hindrance in some ways for diversity. Yeah. Um, I, I would also... Also some transphobic things that I just remembered in the middle uh, of the season, I believe during Jupiter Jazz. It felt a little bit transphobic at one point. There were uh, a few uh, people who, uh, with the characters' designs, were clearly male and... Uh, it just felt like <laughs> we're gross, you know, and they were dressed as females and it felt right. like a sort of uh, transphobic sort of thing. Another, another thing to condemn the right. show about while also there are many diverse elements when it comes right. to the show. Well, and, and, and that that's exactly I was about to say exactly what you just said. Which sorry, is, I just remembered no, that. So I, was, I just had to like put it don't out sorry. there because I think because it's worth mentioning. The second that uh, it, yeah, it is Jupiter Jazz part one um, that. I mean, the second that I'm that I'm confronted with uh, that episode, um, I am met with just like you said, both the feelings of this is really impressive representation for transgender people at the time, and I've, I I don't think I've ever seen a transgender person in an anime. Which is really period. funny. Which is really funny because because that just reminded me, I wasn't even thinking about Grin, who is like that's the, what I'm like, saying. Grin. I wasn't even thinking about Grin. Right, you were thinking because I don't the have, other because there was right. like a group of like three individuals. Yeah. Who uh, purport like a stereotype, a stereotype. right? And, and, and I think Grin challenges the stereotype. Absolutely, like I think that Grin <laughs> is one of the, the most same episode. Yeah, I think that Grin is one of the most forward-thinking uh, transgender characters that I can think of in anime. Uh, let alone, I I can't even really think of any other transgender characters in anime. To be honest, I yeah. mean, uh, especially like like pre two thousand. Um, so yeah, I I was I was very impressed with that. At the same time, the exact same thing. Uh, I I was shocked that they would. In the same breath, yeah. Um, uh, perpetuate that, and so I think it's it's also a constant dialogue of okay, how do we if if there's going to be some stereotypical thing, how do we challenge that? You know, right. how do we do that with the art that we create right. so that like we do we do something better than what was given to us? I also do wonder if that, and if this was the case, then it it does not track now at least. Um. I wonder if that was part of the original intention because like whenever you show me the stereotypes and then you show me grin, I, it tells me that you know how, you know what the stereotype is that you are trying to intentionally break. Right. So I'm wondering, are you showing me yeah. the stereotype so that you can break it? And it's you know hard, I mean? it's hard to say too, because like we weren't I, in the writer's room. Right. So like right. who's, who's to say? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give that's, it as but much that's merit the as possible. Exactly. That's but the impression that was left with us. Right. But you know? I, but I, I, either way that, that didn't really track. Um, it, it was just a little uncomfy at times is yeah. really what it was. 
all of that to say, though, gold medal, the, the, and this may be a shock. <laughs> if you say Mushroom Samba, you motherfucker. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm not going to give my gold medal to an episode this okay, time. Okay, I'm going to okay. actually give my gold medal to a character like the days of yore, right? I'm actually giving it to Ed and <laughs> Melissa Fawn's performance of Ed. And for a lot of just anything, really. There's this uh, trope of a rambunctious child who is crazy and wacky and does all these random zany stuff. Uh, I think 99% of the time that doesn't work. I actually thought the 1% of the time you see it in Cowboy Bebop and with Ed. Ed does not overstay her welcome. Ed is not like too pivotal per se Ed is not on screen too much but the times that she's on screen uh she actually adds this wonderful quality to the group and is really really fun and i think melissa fawn's sort of sing song sing songy um really full of life performance is an absolute treat as well as like it's funny to me in a cosmic sort of way to watch a character in an animated show be so in their body <laughs> Which just doesn't make That's sense because hilarious. there's no actor there's no body. You know, in that in that sort of corpus. Right, right. Right? But like to see a character just like my thought is physically taking me physically taking me in this direction. Sorry, I hit a lamp. It's physically taking me in this direction. Right. It's an it's even in animation, it's awesome to see. Yeah. I, I wonder what what those conversations must have looked like to create that character. And like just the 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 artistry of the character because i i completely agree just it is um it's like it's flowing like water right it doesn't feel directed it feels acted yeah yeah yeah. that there's um that there's definitely a life to that um and i i feel so bad in saying this because i i can agree that um uh remind me melissa fawn is that you said melissa fawn melissa fawn did a fantastic job um as as the english dub voice actor um but I, I have to say, I'm very sorry to say. Oh, no. I I was not the biggest fan of Ed. You didn't like Ed? I thought... I thought I was fine with Ed the first time. Watching it again, I loved Ed. Uh-huh. I, I, I would say that I'm where you were the first time. That um, I wasn't really ever attached to Ed. I was always like, oh, oh there's Ed. Um, yeah. Until the Ed send, uh, the Ed and Ein send off episode which was uh hard luck, hard luck woman? woman i think yeah. Yeah, okay good yeah, towards the end um yeah now now that that was a tearjerker that was i mean it's a magical I, it didn't episode. get me there but it was ooh wow that that was that was a great episode and, and also like episode. a wonderful episode for Faye as well and yeah. god i love Faye's development and 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 what goes into her character where like and for a lot of these characters too, just who they are are front in a sort of way right. to to their vulnerable selves. Yeah, you know, and and the best example of that is Faye, and so Faye to watch her progression is character. the best, right? Yeah, you know, like I think on an episode to episode basis, right? I think Jet, uh, when it comes to dealing with his baggage, is the most interesting. But throughout the arc of the series, I think Faye is the best, and it's interesting because even though Spike is the coolest character. I guess I just don't find his backstory to be that interesting. And so it's a pivot. It's like the thing, you know, when it comes right. to the half po- halfway point and the finale of the series, right? Like his story is the thing, right? Yeah. Um. So I, I guess I'm trying to get your thoughts on, on that and, and how Spike? you felt about, well, and, and Spike's exploration with, um, the story that went into his character. Right. Because um, how it affected that, the other characters was great. Absolutely. But I don't find, even though he's cool, I'm not sure if I find Spike to be that interesting. Okay, sure. I, I, I can agree with that. But I think what Spike adds the most in the show is style. Yeah. Um, he's a glue guy. He is. Right, right. He, he keeps the thing together. Exactly. He is... Um, he... I th- what I saw of him is that he was the perfect character to see the world through the, through their eyes. You know, like it was, it was really easy to follow him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I can agree that the episodes where we would take a look into his backstory were a little underwhelming. Honestly, I was more interested in 
the way that his backstory was affecting him now rather than the actual backstory itself. Do you know That's what I true. Mean? Uh, you know what? I'm with you there because I think – I mean how all of these characters confront their past is super interesting. And I think right. I, I, I will have to give credit to – the character is Spike as well. Yeah. Um, Steve Bloom's performance, by the way, fantastic. I um, mean, oh, out of this world. <laughs> uh, literally. And um, and so then, you know, how he confronts it, I think is really interesting because, like, he'll not even acknowledge it and then something, he'll find out some small piece of information and then the entire page flips, right? The entire book is just thrown out the door and he goes full in with dealing with whatever baggage he has to deal with, right? And then all of a sudden, once it's done, he's out. Right. He's like, he's mentally checked out and he's back right. with the group, right. Right? right? It's it's a super interesting, conventionally, as a character, I love that. But I guess because I, I suppose I found everybody else's backstories remotely interesting and, and the characters surrounding it right. interesting. Right. Yeah. That with, with Spike... And how boring Vicious is, even though we're kind of led to believe that, like, Vicious was, like, Spike's go-to comrade. Uh, sure. Doesn't I, really yeah, it doesn't add really do a whole too much. much. Um, and especially in the final showdown when it's between Spike and Vicious. And it's like, this is supposed to feel more climactic. And it I think doesn't. the most climactic part of the last episode was not whenever uh, Vicious and Spike were fighting. I think it was whenever Julia dies. That, that, that's true. That or when me. Spike is leaving. Sure. Oh, obviously. When Spike is leaving the crew to right. essentially go to his death. That, I mean, that was obviously a, a huge one and everything. Um, yeah. And, and like uh, 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 Spike on the stairs, like last shot, everything, like all all, all that, all that's fine. Name, yeah, with the not. music sort of, you know, oh, there is nothing. Oh, God. I think I've said it before on here. I've said it to my girlfriend Shama multiple times. There is nothing that gets me more than a sort of homecoming right. uh, sort of trope right. that happens of like – this it ends where it all began. Oh, and then and then you have the music that blares, which is the the tune from the credits. Yep. Oh my god. Nothing nothing gets me more yeah. than that. So it feels like a wonderful, you know, bow uh to tie on. Right. Even though uh there's <laughs> I still have some issues uh when <laughs> when it comes to that. Well, because it's a big focus and it right. felt it felt like it, it didn't deserve that much of a focus. Right. Well, I um Although I, I would say my favorite backstory because it, it was the most fleshed out and uh, was the best in terms of like uh, the the pacing of I mean and, and by pacing I don't just mean like you know the the speed of the story I mean more like like the way in which they re- would reveal secrets and and right. I I felt really um, in, invested in their backstory was Faye I really liked Faye's backstory yeah. um, really interesting just like her well, and what trust that and what that and, did to her character and the discoveries right. that led for that character right right right, right. And, and, I mean the second that we get uh, a little bit of backstory for her, or every time we do it um like light bulbs are clicking you know what I mean yeah but uh at the same time um even though spike's backstory was not fantastic uh for instance just watching him have to deal with like because clearly he is deep down the most emotional one yet he tries so hard to be the least yeah um i mean something as simple as like when when ed said her goodbye and she leaves that graffiti you know, bye bye with a smiley uh-huh. face on the, on the deck of the ship, and Spike is just looking at it, smoking a cigarette. Like that's like what a moment, right? A but moment. like, but you know, like deep down there is like this pain, and there's this, but like love, right? Right. Or like after after Julia dies, and he goes back to uh, Jet, and they just have a meal together, and like it ends in this like kind of awkwardly long and overbearing laughter. But there's something about it that. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to watch. Where like it's cool it is kind of cool to watch a character who doesn't know really how to express themselves emotionally. Right. You know, right. and that's how he does it, right? And I don't think it's the sort of like edgy way that like most things do it, right? It's not like edgy in the way the fish is. Right, is, right, right, right. But Something he just—that's just how he goes through shit. Something about the show that, and and a very good way of summing it up that I uh, couldn't have summed up even better if if I tried is um, I was watching a show with my 16 year old brother, right? And he's a weird dude. 
Um, he's got. Did some, you watch the entirety of it with him? Uh, no, we watched about seven or eight episodes together. Okay, okay. Um, like a like a longer night of watching together, right? And so we're watching this thing, and he uh, he, he was one of the ones that like originally just show the intro, and then he just kind of sat around and watched it with me for a while. Sure. And about ooh, uh, I'd say about like four or five episodes in. Like, we're both emotionally attached. I think it was Waltz for Venus we watched together. Oh, and where, where Spike sort of, I'm he doesn't recruit, but a guy hangs on to him and Spike is the master, yeah. That episode fucking wrecked me. I it's, love, it's one of the better episodes. I love that episode. So we're watching this episode. That's a, hold on, that's really good. That's a really good example of like the characters <laughs> themselves are not the most interesting, but what makes them great or the relationships yeah absolutely. which um like it's not rocco but it's like pronounced differently uh, i think like, it's, it's like it's, racco rocco something like that I think I'm who's like the side rocco character in that rocco right yeah. and and his sister who was blind like right. but like that relationship even though they're never on screen together is so strong i mean that's what gets you for that episode right right and and it is uh how they do such a good job of capitalizing the and another example of spike not doing a whole lot, but in not doing a whole lot, doing a whole lot. You know what I mean? But we're sitting there, and um, and my brother Owen, um, he at one point, uh, like we're we're not we're not crying, but we're like getting kind of emotional. Like we're getting we're very invested at the very end, right? And he's uh, like talking to the blind girl at the very or the, or the blind sister at the very end, and she's just like, I think it's better if you go, right? And he's like, yeah. okay. And so he starts like leaving, and then they like she says something to him. I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, <laughs> My brother, who was like a jock, like he never is like emotional really. He just kind of looks over with like a tear in his eye. And he, and he, and this is the exact words that came out of his mouth. He was like, these were fucking drawings. And I was like, that's, I can't, I couldn't have summed it up better Isn't myself. the beauty of stories? It really is. Well, and, and if the it was silence, live action, that'd be one thing. The silence that like Spike doesn't say a word and... Uh, I forgot her name, but she's able to figure out that Roko is dead, and like you can hear a pin drop, and and it's it's a wonderful, beautiful right. Right. moment. So you know how we were talking about uh, when we were reviewing Casablanca, um, I talked about how something that makes Casablanca so impressive is that it had to shoot in black and white, but because right. it had to shoot in black and white. The director and cinematographer found a really smart way of using the black and white yeah. to to make it uh, uh, to to like add to the storytelling elements, right? Um, something that is true of like kind of older vintage style Japanese anime, like Berserk, um, is that it's it feels much more like a series of paintings than it does yeah. like like a specific Moving frame pictures. rate. Yeah, right. Because the frame rate hasn't even hit like you know twelve. And, and God knows how low that budget was. Exactly, you know? exactly. And so, um, there's something so interesting about uh, about this show, Cowboy Bebop, because it uses it like the way that the script is written. It knows that it's going to have to have certain moments that are quite literally frozen paintings. Yeah. And in Berserk, those were the moments that would make me kind of like fade to sleep for a second and come back in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was hard to stay with it. Well, because, because, because they had to do that. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. And so it felt for Berserk, it made it feel slow. Whereas for Cowboy Bebop, it made it feel reflective yeah. or introspective. And fight choreography that was super easy to track. Right. As well as oh. like these dogfights in air that were super easy to track. Directed immaculately. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the shot composition and everything. Like that oh, two-minute two minute warning. warning, baby. Here we go. Okay. No no penalties. Absolutely. We didn't get a penalty last time. We're going to let it slide, but yeah, we're that's g- okay. We're, we're going to add that in. That little, that little yes. factor of we well, got to respect the show. But we're okay. Yes, yes we got to respect the show. And yep. the point is we respect the shit out of Cowboy Bebop. I mean. um, You know, this, this is a really, really fun good show it's not difficult to get through it's a great time it has really strong acting um i think the story is strangely beautiful in a sort of way and it's nostalgic in its approach to uh the setting that it exhibits uh it's it's incredibly a fun time and there's a reason why it's considered one of the best animes because not only is it a fun time but it's character relationships that's engrossing and characters going through baggage that is an absolute treat to watch. Mac. 
I I feel like this was such a journey of an episode. Like I that went very fast. Um as fast. as as do they always whenever we're doing long longer series like this. But um in the exact same way this episode was too fast, Cowboy Bebop was too fast. And I wish that they would have uh given us more. I wish there was more to say about Cowboy Bebop, but uh, yeah. or, or, or from their part, but you know, it, what they gave us was absolutely splendid. Now, Danny, uh, next week, um, we are going to be reviewing something uh, with our good friend Travis Carroll. Sweet. Um, he is going to be coming on the show. He is our uh, resident uh, musicology expert. Um, and so I asked him. We don't know bleep. We don't know bleep. And so I asked him what would be something that you think would be a really, really good learning opportunity for our audience. And his response was, um, you know, there's always one thing that I never found a chance to talk about that I would really love to on you guys' show because you guys would love it as actors as well as its interesting music. And that is Car Seat Headrest's album, Twin Fantasy. All right. Thank you. 